Welcome to the West Virginia Nast Podcast. We are live from the capital city, Charleston, West Virginia. This is the podcast where we talk and learn about the wild, wonderful birds of West Virginia. Oh, and the red, red robin goes bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Join us every week for in-depth discussion on species found throughout the mountain state with special guests, including naturalists, ornithologists, and bird experts from all over the state. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WV Nest. It's the West Virginia Nest Podcast. Red, red robin. There comes a bop, bop, bobbin. Oh, and the red, red robin comes bop, bop, bobbin along. And here's your host, Kid Conley. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the West Virginia Nest Podcast. I am Kid Conley, your host, and I'm supposed to be doing my yard work right now. <laughs> I'm supposed to be cutting grass, weed eating, pruning trees, all that. Uh, my wife's going to leave me because I'm tucked away in the Voice Hustle Studios spending this hour with you talking about birds, but no, no, no. Seriously, if you're in West Virginia, you know it rains almost every day here. I had uh, done all my other work that I had to do this weekend, and there was a lot of it. I had a lot of voiceover stuff. I had a live broadcast that I had to do for the radio station. And so Sunday was like blocked off because I only get one opportunity a week to cut my grass, and I usually try to do it on Sundays. And Sunday's weather looked good. It was supposed to stop raining at midnight last night. Well, that didn't happen. It's uh, still raining. So I'm not going to be able to get to the yard work today. Possibly if it would stop now. Maybe I could do the mowing and the weed eating, but not going to get to all of it. I also got a lot of stuff I got to get in the ground outside that I planted inside and it's ready to go. So I figured, you know, we'll just go ahead and do the podcast early while we're waiting for the rain to uh, quit. Got a lot of stuff going on in West Virginia in and around West Virginia and a bunch of other states, too. And uh, we'd like to welcome you guys from out of state. Uh, we got a huge listening audience outside of West Virginia, which is amazing to me. A lot of folks up in Michigan, quite a few in New York, Connecticut, some up in Canada, uh, where was, uh, Maryland was one that kind of surprised me. So, um, you know, the podcast is getting out there. We're still hoping to be picked up by some of the bigs like Stitcher and iTunes. And that could still happen if we get enough uh, listeners. So, you know, you guys uh, share this podcast, man. Let people know about it. We're here to educate people about the beautiful birds that we have in West Virginia. And, and I'm not an educator. There are some things that I know, but uh, I, I learn as much from you guys as you learn from me. We just kind of go through it and do that together. And I, I thought, man, this is going to be a perfect, perfect opportunity for us this week during this podcast to uh, put together a wish list. We talked about lists last week, and I thought, man, why don't we just, you know, as we're talking about these different birds, if you're unfamiliar with them, and you, you Google them and you see a picture of them and you think, wow, I'd love to see that bird. Add that to your list. Let's come up with five birds this week as we go along. And I'm going to do this too. I'm going to grab a piece of paper here. And I already know two that I really need on my wish list. Now, if you don't know what a wish list is, you can go back and listen to last week's podcast. We talked in depth about all the different lists that some birders keep and whatever. But a wish list is basically five birds or ten or however many you, you, know, you set a goal for yourself, whatever you want to put on there. Uh, that you that you really want to see this year, and when you have that list in front of you, it really kind of motivates you to to every time you see that list and leave it out, man. Put it with your bird books or put it with something you know near the TV, and it motivates you. You you get that list and you 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 you've got your five birds or whatever on there, and you and you can think to yourself, what am I doing to to check this bird off on my list or add this to my life list or whatever. And that's basically where mine mine are going. I'm going to do this list with you this week. And mine are going to be, all these are birds that I've never seen. They're all going to go on my life list. None of them are going to go on the yard list because I ain't going to be seeing some of the birds in my yard, chances are. But uh, And that's the other thing. Make it feasible. You know, if you live in West Virginia, you are not going to see a wild parrot. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you you may see one that flew the coop <laughs> from somebody's house, but you know what I mean. You're not going to see a toucan uh, in the wild. So, you know, it's got to be feasible. If you have plans to go to, say, Mexico or, or you know, to the tropics, and you can add that to your list, and that would be great. But, uh, you know, make it feasible. 
don't think you're going to see a Stellar's J or whatever in West Virginia. It's not going to happen. So stick to birds that you have in your state, unless you plan on traveling, like I said. We're going to talk about bird cams. Do you guys watch bird cams? Um, bird cams are are just fascinating. And I tell you, when I spend the most time with them is during the winter. We're kind of limited to species that we have here in the winter in West Virginia. And there's some beautiful ones out there. We have birds that stay year-round, and they're always fun to see. But you just tend to not see as many. So during the wintertime, these bird cams on YouTube, man, they're just great. If you're just wanting to relax, maybe even put on some music or something, and then uh, find these bird cams on YouTube, they're just amazing to watch. And they've got them all over the world. They've got bird cams from Eagle Nest to Tropics. Uh, basically, whatever bird you're looking for, they set them up, man. Cornell uh, Labs, they're one that does it. There's a bunch of different people who do it. Some of these are private. Some of these are done through Cornell Labs. But uh, they're amazing. They're fun to watch, and they're 24-7 usually. You can just tune in if you're, you know, if you got insomnia and you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you, you might think to yourself, I wonder what that osprey is up to uh, out in Wyoming or wherever. Uh, it's got a nest of things. You can just uh, log on to YouTube or turn on your TV and go to YouTube and just watch it for an hour or two. That'll help put you to sleep watching another bird sleep all night or whatever. But uh, we'll talk about those. I'm going to pick my five favorite ones, and then you, you can let me know about your favorite ones. And so we'll do that. Received quite a few questions this week. I'm going to talk about some of those and try to get some answers for you guys. Got one today. From Marilyn Martin, Uh, I think she's here in West Virginia, I'm pretty sure she is. She sent me a message through the Facebook page, and it was a picture, and she had a bird at her feeder, I think it was on suet, that she had never seen before. Now, here's the thing, during the rainy season, and that's, (laughs) like I told you, every day in West Virginia, practically it it rains just enough to mess up your plans, but uh, when you have wet birds, often common birds look completely different when they're wet. I mean, it's just the way it is. You wet a bird down and or he gets in the bird bath and you look at him again and you're like, wow, you're much darker and not as fluffy and whatever. So so when birds get wet, when the rain changes, it can make them really hard to identify. Now, Marilyn, actually, she just had a doozy because her bird was not only wet, she had taken the picture in the rain, but her bird was a juvenile. And you know, these, well, speaking of juveniles, I'm going to turn the mic up. There are the house finches that have taken up residency over top of the Voice Hustle Studios that I give you an update on every week. Far as I know, they're okay. Haven't heard a lot out of them, but I'm I'm 100% positive there are chicks now because I'm hearing them right now. I hope you can hear that. Now they've calmed down. They must have gotten fed and the parent flew off to get some more, get some more grub for them, but they're doing great. Anyway, back to Marilyn's question. She had a doozy because not only did she have a wet bird, but she had a wet juvenile bird. Juvenile birds are very difficult to tell what they are, as you know, I'm sure. Um, Typically, you know, through the process of evolution, the juveniles will look like the mom. And the reason for that is to match the nest. But that doesn't mean they stay that color. Once they fledge, they start getting lighter, especially if they're males. And they'll develop, you know, over a course of a year, they'll develop most species into their their colors that they're going to be. But... Uh, Juveniles are very hard to identify in pictures. So Marilyn sends me this picture, and it's a bird she was totally familiar with and just didn't see it because the bird was wet and a juvenile, and it was tough. I had to zoom in on it. I had to go back, check some, uh, check a book or two just to make sure that I had the striping. Uh, By the way, the bird was a a juvenile mockingbird, and it just looked completely different. Uh, First time I looked at it, I thought, well, that looks like an eastern kingbird. And then I got to looking at the tail, whereas the kingbird has a band across the northern mockingbird, uh, and this, by the way, this northern mockingbird didn't have a tail straight up like they usually do. It's it was kind of out, but not straight up. But uh, you look for the white lines that go that run down the tail feathers, and of course the white wing bands. You look for that too, and that's the that was that was how I was able to identify it. And then I zoomed in on its face, and I saw the slightly curved downward beak. So I knew that's what she had, and she had seen many mockingbirds, and she even told me she was like. I don't recall him being this dark, but I guess because it was wet, and it was wet, and it was a juvenile, so the the feathers weren't fully grown in yet, I don't think, and if they were, they were just barely grown in, so the bird was wet, but we thank Marilyn for uh, sending us that picture. I will try to uh, post that picture. I want to ask her first, if it's okay. To, uh, to you know, post her picture on the West Virginia Nest, and you can take a look at it and see. It was a tough one, but thanks again, Marilyn. 
first part of last week, uh, probably right after last week's podcast, uh, spotted a warbler in the yard. The warblers are here, by the way. All of them are here. I know it's it, this is migration week, so it's it's great timing, really, to do some of the stuff that we're going to do this week. But I uh, had a warbler in my yard, and I, I actually had to go elsewhere. I mean, I did the research, and I had it narrowed down to about three. Here's the thing. These warblers, this early in the spring, man, they can look like anything. A palm warbler can look like a prairie warbler, and they both look like a pine siskin. It's so difficult to tell these warblers apart at this time of year. Now, I had it narrowed down to a couple I kind of thought it was going to be a uh, female yellow warbler. That was my first impression. It had what they call a post-ocular line. Now, that's a big word. A lot of you maybe don't study birds that much or whatever, but there's an ocular line that birds have, particularly warblers. Sometimes it's almost like a mask that runs across their eye, but, but for the ocular line, it's a thin line that kind of runs through the eye, and it can be pre- or post-ocular or both. Uh, in this case, this was this one had a postocular line, which means the corner of its eye, not the one with the tear duct near the nose, the one near your ear, <laughs> little little olive colored line. That was the other thing about this warbler. It was it was bright yellow underneath, but mostly olive on the top. So I had it narrowed down to like I said, a couple. I thought it was a female yellow warbler, and that's what I wrote it down on my list at because I got a good look at it through binoculars. And it turns out that day, I even posted to, I think it was uh, Mountain State Birders, which is one of my favorite Facebook groups. If you don't follow them, you got to go like the page. So much great information. So many people who are so knowledgeable about birds on that page. They'll help you out if you need an ID, just like we will. I mean, it's a great Facebook page. They've got nearly a thousand people on there that post pictures every day around the clock of birds that they They've shot right here around West Virginia and occasionally, you know, the bordering states, Ohio and Pennsylvania. I've seen them on there before, too. But it's just a just a wonderful Facebook page. And there's no competition here, man. The idea is just to teach people about uh, birds and to help other birders, you know, help people get started. When we begin to study these birds and we begin to enjoy them and, and, you know, we start feeding them and we're going to save them. We've uh, killed off, some some experts say, as much as 70% of our songbirds through cutting down the forests and taking their habitats away from them and bringing uh, domestic cats to this country. Cats are responsible for millions and millions and tens of millions of bird deaths every year because we let them outside. People say that's nature. That's not nature. Not here in this country. In the jungle somewhere, in Egypt, that may be nature. Here, it's not natural if a species is introduced. So, you know, there are a number of things you can do, and we'll go through some of that. Get bells, put it on cat collars if your cat absolutely has to go outside. At least the bird stands a chance if they hear the ding. And I'm not an anti-cat person. My wife has two cats, and I love them both. And, and we have a community cat outside. I mean, I, And this cat is great. I have seen him pass within three feet of a bird and not even pay attention to it. He's not a birder. So I don't worry about big cat. That's what we call him. And it's so funny because everybody in the neighborhood loves him. And everybody in the neighborhood feeds him. Uh, my neighbor next door feeds him. The couple across the street feed him. My neighbor out back feeds him. We feed him. His name is Big Cat, and it's no wonder. Because <laughs> this cat is loved, and he's fed. So uh, I don't worry about him being a birder. But there are things that we can do to save these songbirds, and that's the reason I do what I do. I don't make any money off this podcast. I don't make any money off the West Virginia Nest, uh, Facebook page, off Instagram, off YouTube. It's all. There's no money made. It's all for free. It's all my time. It's all donated just to help educate people and to be educated myself. So, you know, uh, and I, I know the people at Mountain State Birders, they're the same way. They're the same exact way. They're, they're, there's no profit there. They just you know, it's a community of birders. It's a place for us to hang out together, talk to each other, compare pictures, learn from each other. It's it's a it's a wonderful thing. So it's definitely for me, especially. There's no I, I I've liked a lot of I'm on a lot of bird pages out there. So, you know, it's no competition. It's all we're all trying to do the same thing here. Got a great question coming up about owls uh, from Kathy Ferguson up in Michigan. She wanted to know, do owls eat each other? We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But let's grab a pencil and paper. I want you guys to do that. I'm going to get mine here. And together, we're going to pick five birds to put on a wish list that we have the goal to see this year. So, let's do that. One, two, three, four, five. Number one on my list is already done. I already know what that is. That's going to be a Cape May Warbler. So, let me write that down. Cape May Warbler. 
That's number one on my list. Now, you may have, you may know right off the top of your head, five already that you want to put on there. Put them on there. And then make your list longer if you want. If you plan on doing a lot of birding, five, I think, as busy as I am, five. If I could get all five, if I could get three of these birds, I'd be really, really happy. But I'm telling you, this list is going to motivate you. If you put it somewhere where you can every day remind yourself, these are the birds, you'll do more to see those birds. I promise you, you will. So we're going to put a Cape May Warbler on there. And this morning, I've, I've actually got two birds already to put on mine, the Cape May Warbler. And uh, this morning, I, you know, I don't have a redheaded woodpecker on my life list. I love woodpeckers. I got to thank for woodpeckers. <laughs> don't make that joke. Come on. Come on. <laughs> um, I've got on my list, I've got Northern Flicker, which is a woodpecker. I've got Downy. I've got Harry. I've got Pileated. And, and I've seen hundreds of all those. So out of the, do we have seven species of woodpecker in West Virginia? Or is it five? There's downy, hairy, pileated, northern flicker. Usually we have the, we have the yellow shafted northern flicker and the red headed woodpecker. So I five, unless I'm missing one, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but five species of woodpecker here in West Virginia. The redhead I've never seen. Never gotten a picture of it. Never gotten a video. I mean, of course, I've seen pictures and stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and add that. If I could uh, get that redheaded woodpecker this year, put that on my life list, that would be great. So there's two. There's two of my five right there that I'm putting on my list. So grab your pen and paper. Get ready because we're going to make us a bucket list, a bird bucket list or a wish list, whatever you want to call it. And it's going to help us see these birds this year. This is the West Virginia Nest Podcast. If you have questions about birding, we will find an answer for you. You can send us a message through our Facebook page at WVNest or email us at WVNest at gmail.com. This is the West Virginia Nest Podcast. We had a bunch of new birds in and around the state of West Virginia, so this would be a good place to start on your list right here. If you hear one of these species that I mentioned that it's been spotted in the county it's been spotted in, jot it down if it's, uh, you know, if it's if it's list worthy <laughs> a lot of baltimore and orchard oils spotted uh, specifically up in roan county now, they're seeing a lot of them up there i see on the various bird groups that uh, people are posting a lot of pictures of those another one that is here full force rose-breasted grosbeaks i think the last one i saw was in hazelton west virginia i'm not sure what county that's in i've heard of hazelton but uh all last week Tons and tons of pictures of these rose-breasted grosbeaks. Now, you'll know them the minute you see them, the males. Beautiful birds, got black, I think, on the back, and then uh, white chest, but that big rose-colored spot right on its chest, just unmistakable. Females, not so easy to identify. I don't think in the wild, if I saw a female, I don't think I'd know it. I'd have to see its head really close up to get a look at that beak, that sort of bunting-type beak. Uh, these rose-breasted grosbeaks also have a beautiful song, so that may be one that you need to put on your your wish list. Uh, the strangest thing happened, but if, but I guess you know once you start to think about it and you apply science to it, it's really not so hard to believe. There was a lady in Ritchie County, I believe I saw this on uh, Mountain State Birders, I think, but a lady up in Ritchie County posted a picture. It was a really bad picture she said she used her phone well it wasn't really bad but it was it it left some questions but she was pretty sure what she had was a a white winged dove and she was like i'm sorry about the 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 blurry picture but i didn't have my good camera i wasn't ready for it well uh, the bird returned and she was ready for it the second time she got some beautiful shots of it and it was a white-winged dove. Now, these white-winged doves, they're found usually down in Texas in spots along Louisiana and places like that, down to Florida, but mostly in southern Texas. These things are uh, where they're at. But there is an explanation for that, the most likely explanation for why that bird would be in West Virginia on her feeder, and it was beautiful, by the way, just gorgeous dove, um, is that probably somebody ha- bought these doves to release at a wedding or, you know, I've heard of people doing it at funeral wakes and things like that. Uh, they're not native to West Virginia. I hope, and this this may sound cruel to humans, <laughs> but I hope that bird survives. I hope it gets back to where it can be. There's a reason they're not here. 
Now, that's the way I look at it. There's a reason that we don't have them. And a lot of times that reason is, is climate. They just can't handle the climate. If you buy a bird from somewhere else and you release it here, it's going to die. So stop doing that. That's just, that makes me so angry. For some dead guy. Because somebody got married. Hey, that's your mistake. <laughs> Sorry. It just makes me mad. Don't do that. Don't bring a species from somewhere else for any reason here. If it doesn't belong here, if it's not found here, if it's not indigenous to this area, why would you do that? Come on. It's my rant for the week. Sorry about that. I tell you one place that's getting a lot of attention right now, Babcock State Park. They've got a warbler hotspot going on there right now, right this very minute. A lot of bird pictures are being posted from uh, Babcock State uh, Park, specifically warblers. Lots of pictures of yellow-throated warblers, black Bernian warblers, black and whites, northern perulas. They've got uh, a picture of a hooded warbler there, black-throated blue, black-throated green. Tons of warblers right now at Babcock State Park. Is that in Raleigh County? Where is Babcock? I'll find out for you. No, no, no. I was uh, totally wrong. Babcock State Park is located along the New River Gorge. So that would be in Fayette County. It's about 20 miles away from the New River Gorge Bridge. I always go in the other way. And for some reason, I thought that Babcock State Forest was down in Raleigh County. Boy, was I wrong about that. Sorry. I should have asked my wife because she knows everything, but she's in the next room. So we don't even have Google. I don't even use Google because I've got Lisa. She knows everything. (laughs) The truth is my wife travels a lot. She has a job for... uh, an independent company that is contracted through the government and she does inspections in all the counties in West Virginia. So she usually knows these things. But if you're looking for warblers, Babcock State Park is a great place. Fayette County. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, And if you get a chance, if you go down there to Bird, uh, go down to the grist uh, mill that they have there. There's a beautiful shot. And everybody who takes pictures, who goes to Babcock State Forest, has that picture uh, taken from across the creek at the grist mill. But it's a, just a beautiful picture. It looks like something just you know out of a storybook or, or whatever. Uh, there was a hooded warbler spotted up in Preston County. I'll tell you, I had a hooded warbler at the last house a year ago um, where we lived near Kanawha State Forest. Just kind of shocked me, you know, for the for the various bird sites, for Instagram, for the West Virginia Nest page. It required me to sit outside in the yard for two or three, four, sometimes four hours a, a day, probably three to four days a week and, and snap pictures of birds. If you go to our Instagram page, you can see some of those beautiful pictures. But I'm sitting out there one day and I just happen to have my phone out. I don't remember what I was doing, but I'm sitting out on the front porch and I see a flash of yellow out of the corner of my eye, and you know, you're a birder. You learn to look at every little flash of color that you see, every bit of movement, no matter what you're doing, you'd be driving. (laughs) And and I'm a biker. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Riding a motorcycle and and bird watching at the same time, that's a really bad idea. I've had a few few close calls, but uh, luckily, thank God, (laughs) no problems. But back to the hooded warbler. Uh, I saw that flash out of the corner of my eye, and I immediately turned to look at it, and it was a hooded warbler, a male. What a gorgeous bird. They've got a sort of a yellow olive color to them, but they've got this hood that comes up over their head, and I just was shocked. I instantly knew what that bird was. I never had seen one before, but but I'd seen pictures, obviously, but I knew what that bird was, and clicked my camera over on my phone and did manage to get what I call a Bigfoot video. You've seen those uh, those videos of Bigfoot on you know the, the the paranormal channels or whatever. And they're always real shaky and could be a Bigfoot, it might be a guy in a suit. You don't know. That's the way my hooded warbler video uh, looked, but but I know I got a real good look. Heck, he was 3 feet from me. I got to look straight into his face, and he looked straight into mine, and he was gorgeous. So if you ever get a chance to see a hooded warbler, man, they're they're a beautiful bird. They've got painted buntings up in Preston County. Painted buntings. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Just, I mean, colored like a macaw parrot almost. Different colors, but, you know, sort of that style. That's one. I don't know that that's feasible for me. 
because most of these reports, they're up north, uh, to add that painted bunting. But you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to motivate myself and I'm going to add the painted bunting as my number three bird on the list. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and the moon up above and a thing called love. Let me tell you about the stars. All right, let's talk about bird cams. If you're unfamiliar with bird cams, they are uh, all over YouTube. You just got to basically put in bird cam and you're going to come up with a big long list of these different video channels and what these people have done is they've obscurely i guess set up a video camera near a nest of birds or they put out feeders and they set it up near there well the birds don't care about the camera they may peck at it every once in a while i know from experience believe me so you're getting to see these birds and there's a these are an incredible learning resource for you you get to see these birds eat feed their young sleep. I know that's boring, but uh, you get to learn a lot about the behavior of these birds just by seeing them so close up. And believe me, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these bird cams out there on YouTube. And like I said, just go to YouTube, put in bird cam. If you're looking for a specific type of bird, you can even put that name in, like eagle bird cam. And sometimes they're called nest cams, so search that also. But uh, just, I mean, the incredible amount <clears throat> but if you want to see these species up close and personal in their daily lives and what they eat, how they behave, fight, feed their young, all that stuff, these bird cams are a wonderful way to do that in your off time. Or maybe it's a rainy day and you're feeling like you'd like to see some birds. These bird cams are great. During the winter, I mentioned earlier, when I watch a lot of them, when I can't go out and go birding, uh, what I won't see, what I want to see, definitely here in West Virginia, we don't have warblers. Uh, we don't have great catbirds, some of these interesting birds that we normally have. So you go to the bird cams because those birds go somewhere and you can find a bird cam wherever they're at. It's the most amazing thing. So what I've done is, of the ones I have know, of the ones I've watched and uh, looked through, taken a peek at, I've compiled a list of my five favorite uh, bird cams that I want you to check out. And I'd love to hear about yours. Post them. Post them at WV Nest on Facebook or send me a link and I'll post it. Send me an email at WVNest at gmail.com. We'll get them up there. And you guys may know more of these than I do because I don't spend a lot of time watching bird cams. But uh, like I said, during the winter, it's a it's a normal thing for me. So, And these are in no particular order. Um, I do have them numbered on my sheet, but uh, that doesn't mean number one is the best and number five is the worst of the best. It just, there's no particular order here. Um, first one I want you to see is uh, from Cornell Labs. Now, you know Cornell Labs. We would be lost in the world of birding without Cornell Labs. They lead everybody in research, in information, in resources. Cornell Labs is just fantastic. So a lot of these are going to be from them, but the first one definitely is it's Cornell Labs Panama Fruit Feeder Cam. It's in Panama, and it's routine, man. You see uh, everything from toucans on there to uh, woodpeckers, uh, lots of tropical birds that we just don't see in a lot of places. So this one, I think, probably is my favorite. I did list it as number one. Maybe it is number one. For me, it's number one, but I tell you, I learned so much about woodpeckers, specifically red-bellied woodpeckers uh, in Panama. Now, woodpeckers are known from time to time to take a little bite of fruit. It's not, I mean, they're not known for it, but it happens. I've seen it personally. But on this camera, I kept, I kept seeing all these red-bellied woodpeckers, and they were, they would sort of climb up onto the table. They, this, this Panama fruit feeder cam, it's like a big table. It's a big thing full of fruit. And all these different birds come down and they just partake of it and they chase each other off or whatever. But when the red-bellied woodpeckers show up, I, the first time I saw one on there, and I see them a lot, I thought, why well, is he going after the fruit? And I watched them several times. And no, they're going after the insects that buzz the fruit. So there you've learned something about the behavior, about a woodpecker's ability to, to utilize uh, you know, his surroundings and catch bugs. So that's a really good one. And I, like I said, I think that's, uh, that's my favorite one. Uh, 
Coming in at number two is the Decora Eagle Cam. If you're an eagle lover, and you have to be, because they're eagles. There's a, a bald eagle nest, and they have this camera. I don't know how close the camera is to the nest. I'm going to imagine it's kind of far, but they've got it zoomed in. The eaglets, the last eaglets, uh, and I don't know how, how old these eaglets are, but uh, they're hatched. So you're going to get to see some baby eagles, some eaglets. Extreme close-up views. You get to watch the feedings. You get to watch the mother protect it. I was watching the other day, and uh, it looked like what might have been a peregrine falcon sort of landed close, and boy, that mama eagle, she got up off of those chicks and went after that falcon or whatever bird it was, and it was amazing. I'm telling you something. <laughs> if you've never been close to a bald eagle, they are huge. Their nests are big enough for a grown human to get into. So it's a great uh, great close-up of an eagle, not something that you're going to see every day, so check that one out. Uh, it's out of Decorah, Iowa. I hope I'm saying that word right. Just uh, When I give you these names of these bird cams, write them down, and then when you go to YouTube, just put that in the search bar, and it'll come right up. Uh, this one is the Decorah Eagle Cam. Coming in at number three, uh, we've got Explore.org's Bella Hummingbird's Nest. There are chicks in the nest right now. Bella Hummingbirds are not a species that we get. We basically only get the ruby-throated hummingbird here. Although, um, occasionally we'll get a rufous or uh, a black-chinned hummingbird. People are under, new birders specifically, are under the impression that we get more than one kind of hummingbird here. And it's a rare thing if we get anything other than a ruby-throated hummingbird. But the male and the female are so different looking that they're often confused. So if you see the red throat, you know you're looking at a male. If you don't see the red throat, but it looks similar, you know you're looking at the female. Now, again, birds have wings. They pop up in odd places. One lady did get a black chin hummingbird. She posted a picture of it. Um, and it was here in West Virginia. And a lot of people get rufuses. They'll just stray out of their territory once in a while. But this, uh, this is a great uh, cam because... You almost never see a hummingbird nest, and the way these nests are constructed, you get a good look at it, and to see the baby, the chicks, it's just just incredible. So check that one out, uh, explore.org's Bella, B-E-L-L-A, Hummingbird's Nest. At number four, Birdwatching HQ, that's who does it, so it's Birdwatching HQ's Live Birder Feeder Cam in Akron, Ohio. You're going to see a lot of species that we have in West Virginia over in Akron. And I don't know that I've seen a local, and I consider that local because, you know, uh, Akron, Ohio is not that far from here. Um, You see so many species of birds. They've got a lot of different feeders there, a lot of different stuff they put out. They get doves, they get cardinals, they get American goldfinches, they get orioles all the time, Um, blue jays, different woodpeckers, lots of chickadees, lots of hummingbirds. They've got a hummingbird feeder on there. Uh, This person who set this up, Birdwatching HQ's live bird feeder cam in Akron, Ohio, uh, has done a fabulous job, and he's got a great bird cam for you. So check that out. And at number five, Cornell Labs again, feeder watch cam at Sapsucker Woods. Uh, This is one of my all-time favorite and probably other than the Panama fruit feeder, this is the one I watch the most. They have so many birds. And again, Cornell leads everything. Research. And they, this is one of the best, absolute best bird cams. Um, Cornell Labs feeder watch cam. And make sure you put in sapsucker woods. Uh, this They get everything from doves to uh, red-winged blackbirds. They get a lot of woodpeckers. They get most of the songbirds. And they get a lot of water birds. And I was watching that one time, and this has been nearly... Nearly a year ago, they had a blue heron fly up to the feeder and got it on camera. And I think, I think you can go in there. And I, I don't think I saw it live. I think I found the video where they had just taken that one little excerpt and uh, put that up. So search for that. Put in um, Cornell Labs feeder watch cam at Sapsucker Woods blue heron. And watch that video because watching that big blue heron just get bigger and bigger as he's flying toward the feeders. It was it was quite something to see, let me tell you. But those are my five favorites. What are yours? Let us know at WVNest at Facebook. At WVNest on Facebook. Email us the links if you want to do it that way. WVNest at gmail.com. And I'll get them up for you. I'll put them up there and you guys can watch them. I'll tell you what I'll try to do later today. I'll try to go on and... Uh, 
And uh, as soon as the, the, the podcast is published, I'll go on and I'll, I'll put some of these on there. You're listening to the West Virginia Nest Podcast. Looking for a bird event, nature walk, bird group meeting, or similar event? We've got them all here on the West Virginia Nest Community Calendar. Here's what's happening this week in and around West Virginia. We don't have a whole lot going on in the state of West Virginia this week for some reason. If you're a member of the Hanlon chapter of the Brooks Bird Club, which I think is here in Charleston, possibly. But they're doing their Migration Week bird count. Now, this is for members of the Hanlon chapter only. The count started yesterday on Saturday, May 4th. It runs through Sunday, May 12th. Covers all birds seen in West Virginia. If you want to participate and you're in that group, you've got to keep a list of all the species you ID during the count week. Now, there's no need to record how many of each individual species you see. They just need the species. But make sure you write down the location because if uncommon birds are identified, people will be interested in where they were found. You can send your list at the end of the week to Jim Waggy at either needwildnature at gmail.com, needwildnature at gmail.com, or truthseeker23 at hotmail.com. Jim's going to put together a list of all the birds that the club IDs, and the results are going to be discussed at the club's annual spring picnic on May 20th, 6 p.m., at Coonskin State Park. Uh, And that's all I've got in the state of West Virginia, believe it or not, this week. If you've got an upcoming birding or nature event, send the info through our Facebook page, WVNest, or email it to WVNest at gmail.com. We'll put it on free of charge. This is the West Virginia Nest Podcast. We got questions this week, first of which comes from Kathy K.K. Ferguson. Y'all don't know, but uh, Kathy and I are cousins. I guess we're we're cousins, right? Let's see. Kathy's dad and my grandmother were brother and sister. So would that make Kathy my great aunt? Second cousin? How does that work exactly? I'm not sure. But anyway, we love Kathy here. She always has a good question for us. And I posted earlier in the week that I was looking for topics for the West Virginia Nest podcast. And many of you commented on there. And Kathy had a question. She was like, I want to know about owls. Do owls eat each other? (laughs) I'm really not uh, a raptor slash uh, bird of prey kind of guy, but I did find an answer for you, um, Kathy. And the short answer is yes, (laughs) they actually do. Um, Just a reminder that, uh, you know, owls are birds of prey, which means they have to kill other animals to survive, and their diets often include invertebrates such as insects, spiders, earthworms, snails, and crabs. They also do fish. They do reptiles, snakes, and lizards, uh, amphibians, salamanders, birds, and other small animals. Uh, For example, screech owls, they feed mostly on insects. Barn owls, they eat mice and shrews and things like that. Larger owls, like the eagle owl, they prey upon rabbits, young foxes, um, birds the size of ducks and game birds. And they've got some owls that even specialize in fishing. So owls are pretty opportunistic, and uh, they'll take whatever prey is available in their area. But I ran across a story and tried to get an answer for you. This is a story that a lady wrote. I'm just going to read you word for word what she wrote about her experience with pictures, I might add. And when I printed this up, I feel bad. Because I didn't get her name on here, and I could direct you somewhere to see this. I think if you go to Google and you put in Bard Owl Eats Bard Owl, you might, this story might pop up. I think this lady is a school teacher. Here's what she, here's what she wrote. This is from a blog on the internet. I was on my way to an event at a school gym here in Stratford, Vermont, uh, the other evening when I was called over by a bunch of kids who said they found an owl, and they thought it was sick or hurt because it was perched on a picnic table, and it didn't fly away when they approached it. An hour or so later, I walked over to the playground and found a barred owl still perched on the picnic table. It did not move when I approached him, but instead it began mantling. I don't know if you guys know what mantling is, but it's behavior. Vultures and some birds of prey do it whenever they have something of prey on the ground. They kind of crouch and they spread their wings. It's like an effort to hide the carcass from somebody who might try to take it from them, another animal or another bird or whatever. So you see that a lot on nature documentaries or whatever. She says, when I got closer, I realized that this this owl was trying to hide something that it was eating. And it was another barred owl. Same species eating itself. So, barred owls do it. Uh, Observations in the Pacific Northwest suggest that they will at least occasionally attack and even kill the closely related northern spotted owl. They don't really have a lot of reports of barred owls killing another barred owl, so likely what happened was that owl 
possibly flew into a building or was killed by something else. And, <laughs> you know, his buddy was flying by. And he's like, hey, no reason for that to go to waste. And he just starts, you know, munching on him. Yeah, that's kind of gross, but <laughs> it happens. It is not a common event for an owl to eat another owl, but it does happen. But she reports that the, the barred owl spent several hours feeding on the carcass and left very little of it the following morning. So, you know, the answer to your question is yes, some of them do or will. Rick Blankenship also suggested that we talk about people and their cats, people who let their cats outside. And I told you earlier, I am not anti-cat. I love cats. My wife has two cats. We call them Puss Puss and Baby. And I love both those cats, but they're inside cats. They never go outside. They've gotten loose a few times. Puss Puss disappeared for six days once and luckily came back to us. And she is a beautiful white cat. But uh, the point is, is that we don't let them go outside. And that's how everybody who has a cat should be. They're number one, worse than humans. Cats are the number one killer of birds. And, uh, you know, I told you before, we've uh, we've lost about, some experts estimate as much as 70% of our songbirds. Part of that is because of cats. A huge part of that is because of cats. What can we do about that? Rick wants to know. Rick, I get the feeling that Rick Blankenship is about to break his shotgun out because apparently he's got a cat issue going on down there. And gosh, when you when you feed birds, it's almost like you're setting them up, you know? You put food out there and you try to get it high enough to where the birds can get away. You try to keep it clear so the birds can see what's coming at them. And sometimes it's just like, it's like you're not doing them a favor, even though we are. I've had hawks swoop down into my yard and snatch doves out of my backyard because I put seed on the ground for them out there. And they're bent over, they're eating that seed. They don't see that hawk coming. Now that's nature. That's going to happen. Those two species, well, I'm not sure about the dove. I'd have to check that, but but it's going to happen. And in my backyard, I've got so many feeders out there, so many styles, so many different areas. That hawk, he must look down at my yard like it's a buffet table. I mean, he and he's out there a bit. He's quite a bit. I've never actually seen him grab a bird. I saw him with a with a uh, deceased dove in his claw once. He landed on my chain leap fence, but I have seen him swoop down for him. Luckily, that's going to traumatize me if I see it. But I do find piles of feathers in the yard. Big time impact going on there. So, you know, and, and the, the one outside cat that we have that comes in the yard, the backyard anyway, I, he doesn't pay attention to birds whatsoever. Big cat. I've seen him walk within three feet of a robin and not even look at it. He's just not that kind of a cat, which is weird because it is natural for a cat to kill a bird. What's not natural and where we take nature out of it is that those cats are not supposed to be here. We brought domesticated cats into the United States of America. Yes, we have some natural cats, bobcats and things that you find in the mountains. Domestic cats is what we're talking about here. We brought them to this country. We turned them loose. The reason these cats are killing these birds is our fault. And now the cat population is out of control. Feral cats everywhere. And somebody told me, I did a live broadcast at our Humane Society here. We were doing an an adoption drive. I forget the exact number. But to a male and a female feral cat, the amount of offspring that they can produce in, say, three years, it's astronomical astronomical. You've got two cats that mate and they have a litter of kittens. Those cats are going to mate. Their kittens are going to mate. Cats can have two, possibly even three litters of kittens in a year. I've seen a cat have two. I know that that can happen. So what do you do about it? I can't necessarily give you an answer on that. I do chase them off from time to time, but that's not going to, they're going to come back. You know, they're going to come back. If the cats are tame, if you can pet them, if you can pick them up and pet them, What you can do is you can get a collar for them and put a bell on it. Now, this is not going to work in every case. They're still going to probably get a few birds, but at least the birds have a chance. They'll hear the bell, you know. Uh, There's no way you can keep a cat out of anything. Cats can get into anything. You can put up a 2,500-foot fence and a cat will climb it and use it to sharpen its claws. So, you know, the the only answer for me, being a nice guy, is put a bell on them. That's the only thing that I know to tell you. But if you guys have answer for Rick, we'd love to hear it. You can post it on our uh, West Virginia Nest Facebook page. You can send it to me through a message and I'll pass it on. We'll talk about it next week on the podcast. You can email me your suggestions at wvnest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear them because I don't have an answer for this. The West Virginia Nest Podcast. Covering all the West Virginia birds from sparrows to catbirds. And all species in between. 
the West Virginia Nest Podcast. Steve Miller Band. God, I love that song. <laughs> Somebody said to me last week, they were like, I love it when you play the bird songs. I had about 20 of them in there that I just kind of throw into rotation just to kind of lead us in and out of conversation. Um, I'm going to look for some more. If you got a suggestion on that, hit me up. WVNest at gmail.com. You can send it to my personal email if you want. KidConley at yahoo.com. Kid is spelled K-I-D-D-C-O-N-L-E-Y. Or you can just message me through the West Virginia Nest Facebook page. Any of those ways, I'll get it. Love to have, uh, I was just looking over the list that I have, Blackbird by the Eagles, Rockin' Robin. Uh, of course, the theme song, Red Red Robin goes Bob Bob Bobbin. Doesn't get no hipper than that, kids, let me tell you. <laughs> Every week I try to give you a new resource in birding, whether it's online or book or whatever. And Sometimes we'll do a book review and sometimes we'll do a website review. I mean, we'll just change it up a little bit. Got a great resource here for you. You may already know about it. I just found it last week. Uh, it's a Facebook page, and it's called What's This Bird? And they've got, I want to say like 90,000 global followers on there. So, so in that group, there are like 90,000 people uh, from all over the world. And it is a constant stream of people posting pictures of birds that they took that they can't identify. Or maybe they can identify it. Maybe they know it. They think maybe they know it, but they're not sure. And you'll have literally tens or, or, or hundreds of people comment and sometimes argue about it. And uh, it's just a, it's a really, really cool Facebook page. What's this bird? Look it up. It is, uh, uh, you do have to be approved as a member. I just sent them a request, and I think it took like maybe half a day, and they approved me. So, uh, but boy, I've seen some great birds on there, some stuff that a lot of us don't ever get the opportunity to see. Like I said, it is global. So you may see birds from other countries on there that are just gorgeous birds or, or something that you're unfamiliar with. The one thing that really stands out to me are the differences between the same birds in different regions of the United States. For instance, you know, they may have a bird that we have here in West Virginia that looks a little different out on the West Coast. Even though it's the same bird, same species, not even uh, separated in classification, there are some differences. And I'm trying to learn some of those, but man, there are a lot of differences. Um, So yeah, check that out. Go to Facebook. What's this bird? That's what it's called. It'll pop right up. And and like I said, I think they have about 90,000 people. And and not only is it fun just to watch that stuff, but if you get something that nobody else can help you with, and gosh, I've had bird sounds that, that, you know, have been that way, but, um, and, and maybe they do sounds. I've not seen anybody do that. That doesn't mean if you get a good recording. No, actually I have because people usually record it on their phone. So you do also get the video with that. But, you know, if you get a bird sound that you can't identify, you send it to me and I can't identify it. Or, you know, some naturalists, which are who I go to, people like Sarah Miller, Dave Dendler, um, people like that. If they can't give me an answer, I told you before, (laughs) I've taken a bird sound all the way up to Birdwatcher's Digest and they couldn't give me an answer. I did eventually get the answer, but um, yeah, check it out. What's this bird on Facebook? It's a terrific resource for you. All right, then let's take a look at our wish list, our bird bucket list or wish list, whatever the heck you want to call it. I ended up with three, three out of the five. So maybe we'll continue this next week. Uh, what I've got, what do you have? I've got uh, Cape May Warbler, Red-Headed Woodpecker, Painted Bunning. I was thinking about the Red-Headed Woodpecker this morning, and I put this out there on one of the bird groups that I belong to, and I asked the question. I said, I'm in Kanawha County, Charleston, West Virginia. Does anybody know of a hot spot for red-headed woodpeckers within, say, an hour and a half radius of here? And I got some responses both on the post and private messages. One came from a lady. I'm not going to say her name. Um, but she told me that she owns, um, 
a farm in Putnam County and that she regularly sees redheaded woodpeckers. And she said, I, we can work out a time for you to come down and, um, you know, you can you can take a look around. And, and my boy, I thanked her for that. And I also just got, maybe you heard my phone ding a second ago. I got uh, another message from a guy named Josh who says, Mount Zion Cemetery in Putnam County is a, is a hot spot. He said they had about six last year. And they left, and they didn't see him for a long time, so he thought maybe they were gone forever, but he saw a pair just today down there. So I thought that was cool. So there's a couple of places that I can go, and possibly, you never, ever, ever, never get guarantees on this, but uh, there's a place that I can possibly go to see the red-headed woodpecker. The other two is going to probably take a little bit of travel. I spend a lot of time during the summers at Kanawha State Forest. That's, that's like my home birding area besides my house. And there are reports of Cape May warblers there. They do go there. So there's always that chance that I could see a Cape May warbler. With warblers, it's so tough to, you know, where they're at one week, you could you could have an eruption of, say, silkworms or a particular kind of worm that these warblers like in the trees. And they may flock there and they may clean those worms out of there and be gone in a week. So where you see them, like I was talking about earlier, right now, Babcock State Forest is a hotspot for warblers. They may not be there, may not be next week. There's something there. There's something that brings them there. And once that thing is gone, they're gone. And you have the same issue with a lot of birds, cat birds. They go after cherries. They love uh, some fruit. They'll clean your trees out, and then they're gone. Cedar waxwings, same exact way. You get a cherry tree or an apple tree, especially an apple tree. You'll have flocks and flocks and flocks of these beautiful, beautiful cedar wax wings for a week or two, and they will pick that tree dry, and then they're gone. So, you know, it's, it's, we have to be opportunistic as birders. And just, you know, the second you hear, hey, man, we're seeing a lot of yellow warblers in Kanawha County down at uh, Little Creek Park or wherever, if you can, jump in your car. Head down there as quickly as possible because that's where they're at at the moment. Doesn't mean they're going to be there come the weekend when you've got the time to do it or you you know if you make the plan to go do it. So be opportunistic if you can. Take a look at your list. Now, we'll continue this uh, next week just because I only got three birds out of the five. But uh, hang that list when it's done on your refrigerator. Put it somewhere where you'll see it every day and let that list motivate you to get out there and see those birds. Think of how good you're going to feel. If you're, if you're a life lister like me, somebody who keeps a list of every single bird they've ever seen in their life, uh, think of how good you're going to feel. If you really, really want to see these birds and you've motivated yourself, you've made this list, you've hung it up, and you take the extra effort to go and see it. And then when you see it, think of how good that's going to feel. You know, Write that on the list or check it off, whether you do a checklist or you know, keep a notebook, whatever. You're going to get your five birds this year. So I have three. I don't know how many you got. Let me know. You know how to get a hold of me. WVNest at gmail.com. Message me through Facebook. Post it on the Facebook page. Uh, let me know what you, what your, what's on your, your list. You may have more than five birds, but do at least five. And uh, let that motivate you. I want to know what your birds are, so let me know. You know what mine are. We'll continue it next week. I'm going to try to get two more birds next week. You might need more than that. You may not need any more, but we'll continue it on the podcast next week. All right? So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Man, I really enjoyed uh, talking at you for what's going to probably be around 50 minutes or so. Um, Always enjoy getting your questions and your pictures and all that stuff. Man, I live for birding. I guess until next week, you guys take care. Happy birding. You've been listening to the West Virginia Nest Podcast with Kid Conley. Join us weekly for the latest bird talk right here from beautiful downtown Charleston, West Virginia. If you have questions, we'll find the answers. Send us a message through our Facebook page at WVNest or email us at WVNest at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube for pictures and videos. You'll find us at WVNest. Until next time, happy birding. Pack up all of my cares and woes. Here I go, singing lullaby by my blackbird. Where somebody waits for me Sugar sweet and honey, so is she Bye-bye, my blackbird Bye-bye